0: Well, here's some examples of how a simple change can make a massive difference. These are some book titles and the original titles are here and they didn't do well until they got a new title. Suddenly they became worldwide bestsellers. See if you know which books these are. The first one, all's well that ends well. Two, they don't build statues to businessman. Three, the last man in Europe. Then the strike tomorrow is another day. So a slight change, they gave them a new title. They became worldwide bestsellers. All's Well That Ends Well, that's War and Peace by Tolstoy. They Don't Build Statues to Businessmen, that's Valley of the Dolls by Suzanne. The Last Man in Europe, that's 1984 by Orwell. The Strike, Atlas Shrugged by Rand. Tomorrow is Another Day, one of the most popular stories of all time, but we know it as Gone with the Wind by Mitchell. Sometimes making a massive Changing your life requires just a simple shift in the way that we live our life. Going back to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, remember Jesus said, you are Simon, you will be called Cephas or Peter. Simon means a reed or a plant. Jesus said your name from now on will be Peter, which means a rock. Think about how Peter would have carried himself differently with a different identity. One was a plant. Suddenly Jesus says, you're going to be known as the rock. Quite a change in his life. Albert Kang, who founded Eckerd Drugs, shared a leadership principle called the red rubber balls. And it shows again, make a simple shift, can have massive results. What happened is they had these toy red balls, but they weren't selling. So he called in salespeople, said to them, why aren't these selling? They said, we don't know. He called in managers of stores, same question. They also did not know. He went to the stores and he talked to the clerks who see people come in and leave. Why do you think these do not sell? They said, because those are children's toys. They're too high on the shelf. You need to put them down on the bottom shelf where children will see them. He made that simple shift and the red rubber balls became a bestseller and made Eckerd Drugs quite a bit of money. Simple principle, again, do something small can make the biggest difference. Maybe doing what we've talked about before, Chade Mentang, who shared very wisely, if you want to be happy, then you have to want other people to be happy. And so he says, do this one day a week, or do this every day, it takes 10 seconds. And he says, I look at people, could be a person in line at the store, Maybe it's somebody at the office, maybe just somebody driving on the highway, and he says, "Just look at them," and he says, "I pray, or I bless this person to be happy." Do that a few times a day again, if you want to be happier, you have to want other people to be happier. maybe just simply wishing somebody well saying a silent prayer for them. Matthew chapter five, Jesus most well known sermon he makes this statement, I say to you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. It's quite a statement. In Scripture, often the Pharisees and scribes are known for hypocrisy or saying they'll do something but not doing it. But other times they are upheld as people who strived to live for God. They worked very hard at it. They followed the Old Testament. They also had other things they came up with that they believed were commanded by God. So some worked very hard to be holy. And Jesus looks at a crowd and says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of these people you see trying their hardest, you won't enter into heaven. Think about, for a moment, the massive change that Jesus brings about that needs to be made in our lives. And it may be a small shift that makes the biggest difference. As we're here at the beginning of this year, that we stop and say, you know what, in this year, what is it I need to do differently? Perhaps in a culture where there's so many distractions We need to see things a little more clearly. I'll give you some very important examples of that here in a moment. It's easy to get distracted. We all know that this is the chicken chalupa. The shell is not a bread sandwich. Rather, the shell is made of fried chicken packed with lettuce, tomatoes, cheddar cheese and ranch sauce, or maybe the triple play dog, a hot dog wrapped in a hamburger, wrapped in bacon. All these things that distract the silliness. But maybe there's some things that we need to pay attention to going on in culture and say, let me not get distracted, but let me see what's more deeply taking place. This gentleman here, Seth MacFarlane, writes a number of television shows, also has movies. He's the highest paid writer on television. Now, does he write because he enjoys the process or is there something else taking place? Some of the stuff that he writes is crude and vulgar. In an interview, he said this, his words, I do not believe in God. I'm an atheist. And here's the key line. Do I have that much, again, his word, contempt for Christianity? I guess maybe I do. Interesting. Some things maybe are not exactly what they seem. These statistics are all from the last few months. Let's stop and think about looking at this picture. Jesus looks out to the crowd, looks to us, and he says, Unless you surpass in your righteousness, the people around trying their best, you won't enter heaven. What's taking place in our culture right now? Here are statistics, very sad ones. Just a few headlines. Americans are getting STDs at record rates. This one here, 110 million Americans have STDs. Another one, in the U.S., 110 million STD infections. 110 million people. There are just around 325 million people in our culture. That means these statistics refer to one in three people. What happens when a culture gets further and further away from the truth and they begin to do what thou will, seeking only after what they want in the moment. Perhaps we really need to stop and consider what Jesus said. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees. Michael Stampley put it very well. Holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. Holiness is what you want from me. Righteousness is what I long for. Righteousness is what I need. Righteousness is what you want for me. So take my heart and mold it. Take my mind, transform it. Take my will, conform it to yours. Here's some perhaps lesser known headlines. These are all still hotly debated in 2018. This happened just about a year ago. Let me read the first two headlines here. This is about a fossil that was found. First headline, modern fossil discovery rewrites human history. Second one, real location of Garden of Eden cast into doubt by oldest human fossil ever found. Before the next headlines, let me just simply state, I don't believe in the story evolution produces, but these are evolutionists debating something that has happened. And what happened is there is a cave just a few miles from Jerusalem, and in that cave, they uncovered a skeleton. That skeleton, after dating methods, revealed it's the oldest human skeleton ever found. Well, this changes things. We've been taught by science this belief that humans came out of Africa as they evolved from some lower life form. And now, what we're found is the oldest skeleton is just outside Jerusalem. Not in Africa. Jerusalem, where the Bible talks about where Adam and Eve would have been placed in the garden. So does this mean that the scientists have rewritten... The textbooks, does this mean that now the professors have begun to teach everything that's been said is now called into question? And that perhaps the Bible has the answers? Well, of course not. Here are the headlines that trailed after this discovery. I'll read a few. Israeli archaeologists find oldest human remains outside Africa. Next one, oldest human fossil outside Africa found in Israel. The next one, oldest human fossil outside Africa discovered in one more, oldest human remains outside Africa found in Jerusalem. Interesting, not the oldest fossil, which it is. They changed it to say the oldest fossil outside Africa because it calls into question everything that has been taught. For so many years. Really the challenge is. Whether it's talking about Hollywood. Or culture. Or individual choices. Said so well by Abraham Lincoln. All men can stand adversity. If you want to test a man's character. Give him power. What happens when people are threatened. In the way they control. Or seek to control. Others. We. Need to be clear on what Jesus meant when he made the statement, unless your righteousness exceeds that of those working their hardest. Isaiah 54 17, a wonderful verse, one to memorize, one to pray out loud daily. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the saints of the Lord. Beautiful promise, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. We move into the new year, lots of challenges in our own lives and in our culture. And I'm always very optimistic because the promise through and through in Scripture is that we are more than conquerors in Christ. We can overcome all things in Him, and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. You know, Jesus would say to the disciples when they performed miracles, they were so excited. And they said, even the demons obey. And Jesus said, I saw, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Ezekiel 28 gives more details on what happened in that fall where we're told this, God speaking to the enemy. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth and made a spectacle of you before Kings. I made a fire come out from you and it consumed you. It's an interesting verse fire representing sin, his own sin, his own hate, his own deception. Caused his own downfall. Ezekiel 28 continues, I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. You have come to a horrible end and will be no more. Or John would simply say, The devil knows his time is short. Is the devil real and active in the world? Absolutely. We see Destruction and sin taking place in so many places. Does he have any business in your life or my life? No. James says, You resist the devil and he will flee. That is the inheritance of the saints. No weapon formed against thee shall prosper. But you have to know who you are in Christ and you can't give in to the lies that the devil brings nor into the sin that he entices. How great was his fall? To dust he was cast. And into dust, he then remains when we walk in our life in Christ, in holiness and in righteousness. As D.L. Moody said, the best way to show a stick is crooked, not to argue about it, to lay a straight stick alongside of it instead. Whole culture upside down on so many things and people debating and trying to change boundary lines of what is true. Some even actively trying to bring ruin to others. We need to be that straight stick in a world trying to call crooked things straight. And let the light shine so other people can be set free indeed. As Zig Ziglar said, there are no traffic jams on the extra mile. The Pharisees and scribes, the ones who were honest, they were going that extra mile trying to do the right things. And Jesus looked at the crowds and to us and said, if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, your righteousness must go beyond theirs. So what did he mean by that? We answer into the new year, it's important to stop and ask a few questions. To start with, each of us to ask, who was I in this previous year? Perhaps more importantly, who did I pretend to be? Some of the Pharisees and scribes, they pretended so they could get personal gain. So they pretended to do the right things, but it was all about self who was I this past year? Who did I pretend to be? And then from that standpoint to say, in this new year, who do I want to be? You see, a lot of people struggle with challenges. And again, I believe fully that Jesus promised and we receive and live now that life with that abundant joy that the world cannot take away and that the enemy must flee because greater is he in you than he in the world. And here's the challenge. A lot of people have, we've talked about this before the three P's and when it comes to problems, people defeat themselves when they believe three things that this problem is permanent, personal, or pervasive. Permanent. It's never going to go away. The only thing permanent is your relationship and identity in Christ. Everything else changes. Even Scripture says things come to pass. Nothing's permanent. The second, believing this problem is personal. Nobody else can understand what I'm going through. I'm the only one. When the reality is we can see others around us and learn from each other, uphold one another, and be there for others going through challenging times with the strength that we have from our own trials. And three, that this problem is pervasive, that this one problem impacts every aspect of my life. The reality is at any moment, each of us have many things we can stop and say, I give gratitude and thanks, God, for these areas of my life where things are miraculous well, what do we see in the culture? What do you see in the media? What do they say about problems? They make it seem like these are permanent, things are never going to change, personal, trying to set people against each other, or these problems are pervasive. It impacts every aspect of everybody's life. And we have to stand up to that and say, no, that's simply not true. Perhaps it's doing what B.J. Miller shares here. I love this story. He himself, was going to college, was in an accident. Unfortunately, he lost three limbs, including both legs, in that accident. He said, in the hospital, in depression, what turned his life around, a simple shift, a nurse gave him a snowball. And he held that snowball and watched as it began to melt. And he had an epiphany, and his eyes were opened. He said, here's this solid object turning to liquid. Everything, he says, changes. And so he said, you know what? What I thought my life was, that it was over, I can see just like this solid ice turns to liquid, my life can change and be something I never could imagine. And when he was asked, what advice would you give people, he himself began to work in hospice, going through Difficult times with people facing just ultimate pain. He said, I tell the world one thing. Don't believe everything that you think. Making a small shift. Don't believe everything that you think. And so what did Jesus truly mean when he looked at the crowds and said, unless your righteousness surpasses the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom Heaven. Romans chapter 3, as we close, verses 20 to 22, gives us the answer. By the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. That's the first thing that Pharisees try to do, be justified, declared not guilty, by trying to keep the law. Something impossible, because we all are imperfect and have sinned. Next verse, by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law is a guide, it's a light, it's holy. But as Paul says, it shines a light on our life to show us where we have missed the mark and then we become conscious of sin. As Paul would later say, so no man can boast. Next verse, but now the righteousness of God is, apart from the law, is revealed. Again, the Pharisees trying to be righteous by the law. And Jesus said, it can't be done. You need a righteousness that goes far beyond what the scribes and Pharisees ever knew. Because no one is justified in the law. And the righteousness of God is shown to us Apart from the law. Because the law shows us one thing. We all need a Savior. Verse 22 as we close. It is through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. It is ever and always the same message. And our job is to respond to that same message every day. Who am I? Who do I pretend to be? Starting right here, right now, with a righteousness received in Christ, apart from the law, apart from good works, for this next year, Who is it that I want to be?